Okay, you actually didn't say anything. Anyway, um, <clears throat> hello, welcome again to the rockin', rotten, the rockin', rotten, the rockin', rotten horror picture show. Now we're really in the eighties. Yeah, uh, where we talk about horror movies off the <clears throat> uh, Rotten Tomatoes two hundred <laughs> greatest horror movies of all time list. My name is Clay, and with me, as always, is Amanda. Amanda, how are you doing? I am pretty good. How are you, Clay? I'm good. I'm excited to be back at the movies. Yes. Uh, we are covering our very first, uh, our, our most modern movie. Yes. To the point where we actually got to see it in the theater. Yeah, um, which is the first time we've gotten to do that for this podcast. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I got to have movie theater popcorn for the first time and. I don't know, 18 months or something. Yeah. Uh, interestingly enough, it was the first first movie since Invisible Man, which was oh. uh, the last one of the last that we did. That's a nice uh, thematic coherence. Right it there. is. It is. And it, it works well when I tell that story and I don't mention that I've already been back to the theaters to see Kong versus Godzilla. <laughs> but for yeah, narrative... Let's just ignore that one. <laughs> for narrative purposes, that bit has been edited out of the story. Yes. Um, and uh, we got to do this but because this week we are covering number 60 on our list. This is the 60th greatest horror movie ever made as ranked by RottenTomatoes.com. And it is A Quiet Place Part 2 from 2021. It's ranked number 60 with a 91% Rotten Tomatoes score. Um, we can probably skip whether or not we had seen it before. Yes. Because it just came out like two weeks ago and mm-hmm. so neither of us had. Uh, although I kind of wish I had gone to see it before we went. <laughs> so that you got to say like, well, yes. I've seen it before. <laughs> yeah, just so I could I could fill the space of, of, of the segment that well, we and, have the And show. maintain the uh, the trend that Clay has seen all all things and I have seen none. <laughs> yeah. Which seems to be the way that this it would, podcast It would have been a out. fun surprise as well to be like, actually, yeah. I went to see this yeah. the week before. <laughs> I, went, I went by myself. You weren't invited. <laughs> Um, so yeah, we, neither of us had seen it. We, we were both, uh, I would say we were both fans of the first one. Um, yeah. you probably a little bit more than me, but I did enjoy yeah. it. Uh, we did cover that one, uh, previously that was number like nine, I think on this list. Yeah. When we did, I, I could flip back in my handy dandy notebook and let you know. Uh, which is, I think there's going to be a lot of list talk at the end of this episode. Uh, so yeah, get ready for that probably. guys. Um, but yeah, I think, I think we're going to jump right into it. We're going to play the trailer for you, take a quick break, and we will come back to talk about it. Hope. 
All right. Quiet Place, part two. Directed by John Krasinski, written by John Krasinski, starring Emily Emily Blunt, (laughs) Killian Murphy, Millicent Simmons, Noah Jupe, John Krasinski, Jaimon Honsu, and a silent but deadly Scoot McNary. Amanda, what happens in A Quiet Place, part two? Following the deadly events at home, the Abbott family must now face the terrors of the outside world as they continue their fight for survival in silence. Forced to venture into the unknown, they quickly realize that the creatures that hunt by sound are not the only threats that lurk beyond the sand path. Mm -hmm. I would say they they figure out that last point like maybe 10 minutes before the movie ends, but... Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, still, I mean, it's part of it. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Well, Clay, some things you will find in this movie include Mm -hmm. Killian Murphy's amazing waterproof paper. Yeah, as someone who went... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to art school and did many charcoal drawings and also someone who had kept those charcoal gr- drawings in their parents basement which then had the water heater break oh, i can no. i can tell you that uh keeping one in your back pocket while swimming away <laughs> from a monster it's not going to look that good when you when you fold unfold it after it's all dry that's that's fair um Boat mutants. Mm, the best kind. Scoot McNary comes. Silent, <laughs> silent boat mutants. Yeah. Human Torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> uh, K-Billy's Super Sounds of the 70s. I love a movie that revolves around <laughs> a small local radio station. Yes. Uh, yeah. Arguably, I wish they had maybe had more involving the radio station you just wanted this to be the fog i just wanted this to be the fog basically yeah, that's fair the yeah. fog's a great movie it is yeah uh decorative corpses which sounds like my house mm, at least you put them out in the open and don't just have yeah. them surprise young children right yeah i mean you gotta have like a like a whole thing if you arrange them the right way they mm-hmm. really bring the room together i think so yeah. yes uh and then clegg you you put this one and i want to argue it with you Mm -hmm. questionable parenting i i would i would call questionable parenting if i sent a uh crazy man that used to be our friend but wasn't really our friend anymore after my daughter and put everything on him to bring my daughter back home so you would leave your injured young son and newborn baby by themselves or with said crazy man, you'd leave an infant at the tender mercies of Emmett? Oh, yeah. No, I'd kill them. And then I would go oh. save, <laughs> save the healthy one. L- ladies and gentlemen, that's what good parenting sounds like. Thank you. Good night. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, anyway, uh, I, I how, how to, to jump into this one? Yeah, um, this is kind of a tough one. Is, is this correct me because i'm probably wrong but mm-hmm. outside of our uh special patreon friday the 13th coverage mm-hmm. is this the first sequel that we're doing no we have well i think it's the first direct sequel we've done yeah uh maybe that's a better way to phrase it because yeah. I, I think we've done like a how ha- a, a later halloween movie 
and a Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes, we've done sequel. two like rebooty sequels. Yeah, but never. I, I think this might be this might be the first one we've done that directly follows. Yes, like explicitly directly follows from the prequel or not prequel, but the first movie mm-hmm. where we've also done the first movie and we're still dealing with the same characters. Yes, um, it's it's actually very. It picks up in a way that is is sequels don't tend to do anymore. Yeah. Which is literally the instant after the last one. And well, there's an opening sequence that's right. uh, that's like a flashback. The, a flashback to the first day when everything first happened, which I really liked mm-hmm. in and of itself. I I think maybe that opening sequence is kind of the key to my underlying problem with this movie which is interesting okay i think it has a lot of good sequences but i didn't feel like it came anywhere close to like the narrative or like tension levels of the first one yeah i i think for the purposes of making this uh probably more difficult to follow. <laughs> uh I feel like I want to make it some somehow I want to make a distinction between suspense and tension. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like suspense is a narrative device used in movies and other media for the audience whereas tension is for the character. Sure, okay. Like there, there are tons of suspenseful sequences in this movie where you, as an audience person, are sitting there watching it, going like, "Oh my god! Oh my god! Oh my god! Mm-hmm. I know what's oh something horrible is going to happen. I can tell it's building to something." Blah blah blah. But the characters are pretty oblivious to that. Yeah, in, in several instances, whereas I feel like in the first movie, a lot of that, a lot of that, rather than being suspense, was like both suspense for the audience, but also tension for the characters where the characters seemed more aware of the risk that they were at at different moments yeah i don't know if that's a useful division but here it is like weirdly enough i it never felt to me like the stakes were really high in this whereas in the first one i think so this is the quiet place it's a gimmick movie right yeah yeah it's a very specific premise yeah and i i feel like i don't know if the gimmick really worked in the second movie for me because it felt i if the the scenes that they were setting up didn't feel like they were particularly um building it they they didn't build the same way they did in the first one it was a lot of like Here's a close-up of someone's bare feet walking, and then, like, they're walking very slowly, and then there's water dripping, and then, oops, something happens, and then a monster shows up. It felt like it was a lot of, like, small scenes that were punctuated with just, ah, let's throw a monster at the end. Whereas in the first one, the the suspense that they were building was so... uh, the, The stakes were so high where you've got, you know, she's pregnant. Yep. She's trying to figure out how to go through the house or get away from this thing, and then her water breaks, and she she starts going into, you know, it's like... Yeah, it's kind of hard to get 
higher stakes than that. Yeah. Whereas, <laughs> whereas this one, it's like, it's like the world building was kind of cool. Yeah. But you've got like the, uh, the, the daughter walking through an old train. Uh, they do a birds flying jump scare thing. And then they do a body falls out of a doorway jump scare thing. And then she yeah. turns around up. Oh, there's a monster there. So now it's like, well, we know how the monster thing works where it's now she's got to be really quiet and figure it like it just it didn't it didn't it just seemed like it was set pieces for the sake of set pieces. A lot of them more sure. than it was a a really high stakes, suspenseful, tense movie. Yeah, and I, I think some of that can be a function of the fact that this being a sequel, we've seen the monsters. Sure, like we uh, yeah. we've seen them very explicitly. We know how they're how they work, uh, in a way that we didn't really, mm-hmm. and that the characters didn't really in the first movie, where they were like, I mean, I mean, the first couple times when you watch a Quiet Place one that you encounter one of these monsters, you don't. You see the effects of it, but mm-hmm. you don't see it. It it moves so fast, right? And the characters themselves are hiding from it, and I think a lot of that makes it uh, it, it it makes it scarier when mm-hmm. you're watching it that you don't know what these things look like and what they're gonna do, and you don't know how they work, and you don't know how they could possibly be defeated. Whereas in in this movie, a lot of that's been explicitly explained, and yeah, then you yeah. see the monsters kind of all the time. A, yeah, a yeah, lot. Like they don't make any any attempt to try and hide them in this one. Yeah, yeah, which can be a little bit annoying in terms of like, uh, like of course the characters are still trying to be quiet. But they're not as quiet as they were. Yeah, they there's play kind of l- fast and loose with some of the rules in this yeah, one. Yeah, there's a lot more talking in this one, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it it, it does. It's it's kind of a a marked difference from the mm-hmm. first one, where 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 everybody's just kind of like chatting away. Yeah, it, like there's a couple couple scenes like that where I what <laughs> one I found funny, which was. Mm-hmm. When um, the, I have to look up the names. I don't remember Do you, the names. Who, who are you trying to think of? The daughter. Reagan. Reagan and the brother. Uh, Mark. 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 Reagan. Marcus. Marcus. All right, that was when, close. When Reagan brings Marcus into like the hideout inside the furnace thing. Yeah. To do sign language. <laughs> well, well like, she does kind of. She does kind of say stuff out loud. I kind of, but it's like they go into this place that specifically is like the the quiet room, so they can yeah. talk sign language to each other. I think and that's it, more of two kids hiding from their yeah, mom. Yeah, <laughs> but there was a lot of stuff. There was some of that stuff where like Killian Murphy explicitly says, "Like it's fine if you talk; they can't hear you through three feet of concrete or something." Right? Like, oh, they'd have to be directly above us to be able to hear. And it's like, okay, but then doesn't that mean you couldn't hear them? Right. So how would you ever know if they were gone? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It, yeah. It's just a little. Yeah. It definitely gets a little bit loosey goosey with the uh, the gimmick, as we're calling it, mm-hmm. which tends to weaken the movie in general, because once you start looking closer at that stuff, 
it gets really easy to poke holes in it. Mm. Um, and I, I didn't notice it this, at the time, but I read a review last night where somebody pointed this out. In that opening sequence, it's kind of mm-hmm. hilarious that John Krasinski's character seems to know right away how the monsters work because he's like, maybe it's just a natural reaction that he's putting ah! his hands over people's mouths or something, but it's it's kind of funny that he's like immediately doing the shush thing but i mean i guess it's if you're hiding from someone you want to be quiet regardless of whether or not they are a sound-based monster i was gonna say yeah if if you're if you're hiding from uh jason voorhees in a closet you would also try really hard to be quiet so like i'm willing to give a pass on some stuff like that but it still it still strains credulity Mm -hmm. like not that this movie is like super based in reality or anything (laughs) um but I, i the premise is already asking you to sort of not only suspend your disbelief in terms of, Hey, there's this monster, Mm -hmm. but also suspend your disbelief in terms of, Hey, this is how this monster works. And yet people are able to survive at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And then like this, the sequel kind of makes it, you take that even further. Like it just keeps stretching this premise thinner and tighter and and yeah 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 it's the kind of premise where i don't really know if if expanding on it helps at all because it's sort of a a narrative cone thing where it's like once you you know widen that circle you start asking a lot of questions where it's like okay so there's a there's an island where everybody's hanging out and the monsters can't get there yeah okay well where are they getting food where are they getting right. uh, any electricity from? You know, is there a generator there? What's it running off of? You know, it's how are they existing with all the trappings of modern society when the rest of the world has completely fallen to pieces? You know? Yeah. Some yeah. of that stuff. Like, Everybody looks suspiciously clean. Yeah, yeah, they've all got they've got all got nice cable knit sweaters yeah. and stuff. Yeah, everybody looks very uh Nantucket fashion. Yeah. It is yeah. It it also has only been like a year and a half, so maybe true, true. But uh, yeah, it's. But yeah, to go back to that first scene, I think that first yeah. scene is really well done. Like it's you, a, you mean the um the, the opening, flashback, yeah, the flashback. The, the flashbacks flashback to day one. Yeah, I think yeah. it's a really cool set piece. Yeah, I don't know if it's really that necessary, other uh, than to show. Yeah what the first day was like i think it's necessary to introduce emmett yes yeah or at least it feels maybe when you're writing it necessary because i would argue you don't even need it yeah like even to introduce killian murphy's character emmett like i think you could just have them go to the steel the steelworks Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because they're following that's where the fire was um and then they get there and they realize Oh my God! It's our right. family friend Emmett. Because yeah. of course it is. Like like things are not. You know they're they're walking for what's shot to feel like a long time, but, but you know really they're walking very slowly. Yeah. You know they have to walk very carefully, and they're carrying some heavy shit. They're carrying the baby box mm-hmm. and like whatever food they can carry and weapons. That that stuff adds up. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, of course, you're, you're, you're going to run into people. Like, any survivors in the area in this small town you live in are going to be people you know. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think that that opening sequence, I think the justification for it was probably like, oh, Killian Murphy's character. We want to show that he knows the family. He knows right. Reagan's death. He, know, he knew Lee. He and Lee were friends. 
Um, he knows Emily Blunt's character, who I think is Evelyn. Evelyn feels right. Um, Lanolin? Like sheep's wool? Evelyn. 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 Yes, Evelyn. Yes. Um, I, 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 think it's, I think it's for that, but I also think it's just for the opportunity for the cool car sequences mm-hmm. where they're trying to drive away. Mm-hmm. And then the cool like escape, like like we're crouched down in in the in the, the the pub or the bar, mm-hmm. and then we're running away. I think it's just for some more like cool actiony sequences and yeah. some small world building to be like, hey, I bet you wanted to know more after that first movie. Here it is. <laughs> yeah, it's really it's for Killian Murphy and f- to set up the dive thing with the yeah the, yeah the, yeah you which, know which as after as we were saying afterwards like that's not really the Nobody says dive when you're telling someone to slide into a base right, right. during a baseball yeah. game. It's like completely a construct needed for that movie. Yeah. And also, Lee showed up in the fifth inning for a Little League game. I'm pretty sure Little <laughs> League know. games are like six innings long. So I know. There's your like, questionable parenting. Uh, all right. All right. Okay. If that if that's where questionable parenting came <laughs> came in, then I can't quite argue it. Um, but wh- one thing I wanted to bring up about this... Um, that uh, especially with this opening sequence and Mm -hmm. then a couple things later on, one of the things I think I remember talking about when we did the, uh, first installment of this burgeoning series, Mm. um, that I really liked was that every piece, every piece that came into play in a strategic way later on in that movie was already placed on the board early on. Right. I think the thing that the first movie did that I really liked was it didn't draw special attention to those pieces. Mm -hmm. They were established and they were just kind of like there. Like nobody really needed to talk about them. There wasn't a big discussion. There wasn't a pointed, you know, camera moment or or any of that. It was just like the truck. Mm -hmm. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? It was just like there's the old truck that sits down in the field and like that ends up becoming a big, a big thing And, and several other things. Um, this movie, this sequel, tries to do the same thing, but it really highlights. Like, I, I, or maybe it's because it's easier now that you are more familiar with the premise to mm-hmm. point to pick out what those key. They were not subtle. They, <laughs> right, they're very unsubtle. Like I, I, I would call them MacGuffins, but they actually are kind of important. Right. Um. But like her cochlear implant, uh, the baby's oxygen tanks. Um, the fabric that they have to pull over the um, hinge for the right. kiln mm-hmm. or whatever they're hiding in to keep it from really sealing so they can push it open again. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm blanking on, oh, dive. Right. Like a lot of that reminded me of the movie Signs. Oh, sure. Swing away. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like her leaving the water glasses everywhere where from the beginning of the movie, you know that these items are, are out of place and therefore right. important. Yeah. Whereas in the first movie, none of these things were out of place. They were just sort of part of the background. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say the only thing that comes close to being that obviously pointed out is when the nail gets pulled upright on the yeah, stair. Yeah. But really, that's the only one. Everything else is pretty uh, like subtle, I guess, or, or, or just not remarked upon until it's important. Yeah. Whereas in this movie, it's very like you just have these moments where it's, it's made to feel extremely explicit that these things are being shown to you or zoomed in on or really right. lingered on in some in some way shape or form. Yeah, and I think I think the the difference between the first two is 
and and maybe why the second one didn't work as well for me is those things that you're talking about in the first one had a very specific outcome yeah. to and which was an outcome tied to the concept of the movie which was you got to be super quiet otherwise these monsters that have super hearing will find you and kill you right so you've got the nail where it's like oh shit she's going to step in the nail <gasps> right is she going to scream is she going to be able to block it what's going to happen when right. she steps in the nail right 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 She's having a baby. Oh, shit. Eventually, she's going to have that baby. I don't think generally people <laughs> manage to stay quiet when that's happening. Probably not. You know, where is she going to have it? How is that going to affect How what's going on? How is the baby going to react? Yeah. Now you've got a baby who's going to... Yeah. Babies aren't... Newborn babies are lots of things. Quiet is generally not one of them. Right. But in this one, those things that they're pointing at are just kind of like, yeah, it sucks. You know, like the yeah. the locking them into the furnace thing. It's like, yeah, that's going to suck when that happens. Or the running out of know, oxygen. You know it's going to happen. Right. You know what I mean? Like the minute the minute you see them get in that, that, that furnace, the kiln, whatever it is. Um, the minute you see them get into that and Killian Murphy's character sets a, hits, hits go on a stopwatch. That mechanic is very obvious sure. that like someone's going to get locked into that. And someone's going to go past the time and, and maybe they'll die and mm-hmm. probably they won't. Yeah. You know, you've got the the close up on the oxygen. Like the oxygen right. was one where I was like, okay, that one can kind of lead into being premised based because if they run out of oxygen, two things is going to, one of two things is going to happen. One, right. the baby's going to die. Right. Or they're going to take the box off and the baby's going to scream. Right. But- Kind of neither of those happen, so it just ends up they're stuck in the thing, and it's like, yeah, yeah they're running out of oxygen. That kind of sucks. See, what I thought was going to happen was that the baby would be in the box outside, and someone would be locked in the furnace. That would have been better, yeah. And see, and see, be like, oh my god, I'm running out of oxygen, but also the baby is in. If you, if <laughs> I, I keep in my head, I keep calling it the baby box, or like just baby box, the, the boo box. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I also keep thinking uh, in my own head, it's a joke I make to myself about the uh, Sandra Bullock vehicle that was a ripoff oh, of this yes. premise, Bird Box. Bird Box, yes. Except with a baby in it instead of a bird. Huh. Um, but yeah, like, because I mean, I if I was a dumb kid and yes. I uh, put my little sibling into a box that is explicitly soundproof. Yes. And went off and did some stuff yeah and then was running from a giant monster there's a good chance i'd forget that that baby was in that yep. box yep 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 yep. and yep, if yep. i jumped Especially... into that thing and shut it and the thing went down uh-huh shit not only am i locked in the furnace uh-huh but the baby's out there right what's gonna happen is the baby gonna scream you know I... right is the baby gonna suffocate is the monster gonna knock the box over and the baby's gonna scream yeah. and then yeah there's there's yeah there's a lot there um not to jump straight to this, but since we're talking about that sequence a little bit, uh, where Marcus and unnamed baby Abbott gets uh, trapped in this furnace, mm-hmm. that kid walks around real well for somebody who got their leg stuck yes. in a goddamn bear trap. Yeah, especially when the second third of the movie is about his mother going to get stuff to stop his leg from like getting infected 
Yeah, and, and she even says at one point, like, if I don't go do this, soon you're going to be in a lot of pain. Yeah, so maybe it's just, like, numbed up or something, but it's it seems like he shouldn't be walking around at all. Yeah, at as point. somebody who's just had, like, a broken ankle and couldn't walk on it at all for, like, six weeks, mm-hmm. it just seems a little, they're like, well, it didn't get to the bone. It's like, yeah, but it's- I get, I get a paper cut. And washing my hands <laughs> is excruciating. you were going to say, and I'm laid up for days. Well, if I if I <laughs> if I could afford to take it off work, I would. But no, I mean, you almost cut your thumb off once. That's true. Yeah, I did. didn't yeah. you have to like lay down for a couple of hours? You know what? I I cut my thumb. I almost cut my thumb off. I took a I took a beat, and then I went right back to playing uh, PlayStation. So <laughs> I understand how he can be walking around. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I think that's that's for me what was what was hanging this up is like there's yeah. some good sequences like i think the the sequence where they're kind of cutting back and forth yeah between uh the boat mutants yes i, th- I thought the boat mutant sequence was great I oh really yeah liked that a lot. yeah me too i wished it was i actually kind of wished it was longer because the the world the world building they do in this movie is is cool but it is so quick yeah. Like they the boat mutants show up very briefly. Yeah. Then when they get to that island, you kind of get like a glancing understanding of what's going on there, and then it all just blows up. So that's true. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they had this this sequence kind of maybe three quarters of the way through, maybe just after the half point. I can't remember. Yeah. Um. Where. Uh, Killian Murphy's been captured by the boat mutants. They tied a bunch of cowbells to his neck. Scoot McNary is really staring him down. Yeah, Scoot McNary and the boat. God, I'm so glad that Scoot McNary. <laughs> it's what a name. Uh, also, he's a good actor. He is. I yes. like him. Yeah. I feel like he gets a lot of shit for being in some early 2000s stuff that people kind of mock nowadays. He always he shows up in strange places. Like he's in this as the boat mutant, <laughs> which guy. I appreciate. He was the legless guy from Batman versus Superman, uh, who ends up blowing up the Capitol building. Oh, yeah, in the wheelchair. Oh shit. Um. But it's all yeah. over the place, that scoot. <laughs> yeah, you know, it moves very quickly. <laughs> he scoots around. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'll leave the podcast now. But uh, you get the, the, the boat sequence, and then they're cutting between that, and I think at that point the brother is in the furnace and has locked himself in. Yeah, or it's the sequence when he's about to, he's kind of like walking up to where um, Emmett's wife's body is hidden behind the right. the curtains like so you don't see it you see him walking up to some room that's covered in curtains and you know because the building of the suspense of the music that he's about to see something right right and so i think it's like oh i remember it's it's like when when everybody's approaching those kinds of moments where it's like right. emmett and reagan are walking down the docks and they're starting to see movement, like, and kind of being like, oh, we're not alone here, like, mm-hmm. and trying to, like, turn and track that. And then Marcus is wandering through the the smelting or steel mill or whatever you would call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and this kind of frustrates me, uh, Emily Blunt is just picking through a well-stocked pharmacy. Yes, she's, she's on her way back from a very successful pharmacy trip, yes, which... But- but as it moves, you're right. As it as 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 it cuts between those three in like rotation, it's actually a very effective like sequence to do it that way, where right. each each thing is building in real time up to this like climactic moment for each of them. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really well done, but again, it's like I don't know. It, it, it's just a it's just a good sequence that yeah. I didn't really feel like was ratcheting anything up too much. I don't know. It, it, there's I I think it's just the sequences while good mm-hmm. didn't feel feel like they were they were um Good sequences. It's really, it's really <laughs> difficult for me to, to to figure out how to say this. No, I, I think you already said it pretty well. Where you talked about how like the stakes just never felt like they went up high enough to match. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think it's bothering me because the monsters don't feel like the same presence they do in the first one yeah they're not as scary because you know that they at least have a couple weapons they've figured out even even the scene where um emily blunt gets back to the steel mill Mm -hmm. and realizes what's going on like realizes that you know marcus and the baby are trapped in in the kind of underground bunker area and this monster is around and she uses the oxygen tank as an explosion mm-hmm. to set off the f- the sprinklers. And like she knows to do that because that helped her in the first movie. Right. And then there's really, Ray- really putting a lot of faith in that sprinkler system and that busted up steel mill. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you have no, no other choice, what are you going to do? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's that. And then there's also, you know, Reagan has, has her, her weapon of the sound that, mm-hmm. that, is painful to these monsters. So they're less scary because they're less dangerous because fewer dangerous. <laughs> um, but because, you know, the characters have figured out these methods of fighting back, Yeah, which like uh, on the one hand, of course they need to, but I, I feel like this is so, this is why so many movies in, in like monster movies, especially in the sequel, they give the monster a new power. Yeah, there's well, like a mutated version of the monster. Or there's a new, you know, there's not just the alien. There, yeah. You know, there's not just the xenomorph. There's the xenomorph queen. Right. And she's a bigger deal. She can do more stuff. I was like, kind of surprised they didn't do that, and there wasn't some sort of like king alien or something. Because because yeah. like I I feel Kinda like glad they didn't do that. I, I I feel like there's a rule that people tend to follow when it comes to sequels, which is yeah. Uh, there can be there's either more of them right or they're smarter but it can't be both because that's too hard (laughs) well i think this one went with the more of them route right it's usually there's more of them and they're easier to kill yes which is kind of what this one was so they they don't kill a ton of them but they definitely are not as they're they're they kill more of them yes this one because killing killing the one or two in the first movie is like a huge deal. It takes the whole movie until they get to the point where they can kill one of these things. Mm-hmm. And then in this movie, they, they definitely, they kill at least like three, if not four. Yeah. 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 And it's like, it's the, it's the alien to aliens thing where it's yeah. like an alien. One of them was right, unbeatable. It's gonna wipe out the whole crew. And then the second one, it's just, they're blowing them up left and right. 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 But yeah. it's, but it's the fact that there's more of them. It's that is diamond the, back with some machine guns. Yeah. And we're all fine. It's, but it's the fact that there are more of them that it makes it scarier because right. it's like now you can kill them, but it doesn't matter because they just keep coming. Yeah. And I, I think this goes back to your comment about 
wishing they took advantage more of the world building mm-hmm. because this movie feels like the movie where you learn that the real danger is people. Yeah, yes, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And and <laughs> and so so not to divert down a tangent, but like there are a few scenes and sequences in this movie that remind me of Fallout. Sure. I don't know if you've played any I, of those I, games. Very briefly. I love Fallout. Um, in, <laughs> I'll just say, in at least one of the of the Fallout games, uh, you know the premise. It's post-apocalyptic. Mm-hmm. You're you're wandering around trying to survive. Uh, you come, you as the player character, come upon a town that, in the midst of this end of the world scenario seems really normal right like everybody's like okay Mm -hmm. and and they're all like you know they've got clothes and food and their houses are well put together and all that and kind of right away you know like ooh, something something is weird here right i was very much expecting the island in this to be another example of like the real evil is humans (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's and then it didn't go in that direction which is fine but it, this movie felt like it was building towards something like that. And if the only evidence of that we have are the boat people who are like freaky in a very cool way, but don't actually do No, they were much. just protecting their shit. You know? Well, yeah, they're, they're, they're generally threatening as a yeah. presence. They clearly have um, ill designs on our, our main characters. But before they can execute any of those things, they are pretty swiftly taken out. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I think the difficulty is as much as it makes sense to get into that stuff. Yeah. The minute you do that, you you turn a quiet place into literally every other a post-apocalypse thing ever. Yeah, like, yeah, Mad Max the Road. Yeah, it turns it into <laughs> Night Night of the Living Dead. It turns yep. the monsters into zombies, which they kind of I feel like they're kind of walking that line in this quite a bit because yeah. I feel like they ended up using the monsters the same way they use zombies a lot, where it's like, here's a tense situation. We're going to punctuate the end of the scene by a bunch of zombies busting through a wall. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. And that that actually kind of leads me into something I was thinking about. One of the things I think you and I both liked about the first movie Mm -hmm. was that it didn't go to great pains to set up anything it didn't give us background it didn't explain where these monsters came from or really even when or where Mm -hmm. this exactly was happening it could just be like sort of this any town usa any time between i don't know when was when were cochlear implants (laughs) invented from then to the modern day like like it, it left this very broad um timeless quality none of those things were covered on the whiteboard right right but this movie very much places it more if not in in time than geographically Mm -hmm. and it gives us a more specific if i mean not super specific but more specific origin for the monsters and i just i'm kind of curious how did you feel about that that like added detail did you feel like it was necessary narratively did you feel like it added anything did you feel like it subtracted anything uh i don't think it adds anything yeah i think it's pretty unnecessary yeah um and again i think it's 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 focusing it ends up focusing on the the stuff 
or I should say not focusing on the stuff that made the first one fun. Right. Because who, who gives a shit where they come from? What you're what you're worried yeah. about is whether or not she's going to step on that nail, you know? Right, right. And this one is a lot of I mean, it's not a ton of it, but it's like this is what happened when they showed up. This is a story about how they tried to get everybody off the island, but everybody started screaming. Uh, we know, which also, like, sorry, but that story about all the boats trying to launch and everybody started pushing and screaming, and that's what drew the monsters. It's like really mm-hmm. that, not the boat motors. Yes, <laughs> it could have been sailboats. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, they were all uh, Elon Musk's sm- uh, silent electric powered boats. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, once you start showing other people out in the wild wilderness, it's like, okay, that's yeah. what 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 did you do on that day? They say that day like eight times in this movie. And I fucking yeah. hate that stuff. Yeah, and it's and it's tough because like that frustrates me a little bit because I feel like it could have been handled better and a lot and in a lot of ways the first movie did handle it better mm-hmm. because it shows that elderly man in the in the cabin nearby the Abbott, like near enough to the Abbott family that they're uh that Lee and the son had been out for the day and they come by this this older man in a in a pretty close by shack mm-hmm. and I think he's like burying his wife or something. Yes, I think and, so. And and he's like he's old, his wife is dead, he's bereft and in his grief, even though he looks at the two of them, he just opens his mouth and screams. Mm. And I feel like that sequence did so much more to show oh, totally. you the yeah. effect that living and trying to survive in this world has had on people in a much more frightening, but also like realistic way. Sure, sure. Like, yeah. The boat people are cool and yeah. all, but like. Really, you're telling me that like like all of these all of these people there because there were a lot of boat people have been surviving for the last year and a half together. They've got enough food and water, right, even right. though they just live on boats. Hey man, <laughs> like, seafaring lifestyle. I mean, I guess it, it's the world comes to you. But again, it's just that that feeling of like. Like you were saying, when when you open these things up too wide, you're just inviting in all these questions and all these opportunities to start poking holes. Yeah. And that thing from the first one with the old guy screaming and killing. I love that scene. No, it's great. And that is very specific to that movie. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could make the argument that they that they are. You could do the same thing in any other number of a post-apocalyptic movies or zombie movies or something but it's like yeah. it's ve- it is very specific to a, to this concept yeah that sound based thing that's how he's yelling he's up you know it's it is very specific to this where as yeah. you're saying boat people boat mutants not really that specific to this yeah. secret island where everything's fine that's like four of the eight se- seasons yeah. <laughs> of the walking dead i think that yeah. happens yeah you know and that's so a good point. it makes the it makes this movie feel not as special as the first one. Yeah, and I know I've been kind of shitting on it. So I know I was going to say I feel like we need to talk about something some stuff we we both liked about this movie because I did enjoy this movie and we will, but I'm just going to shit on it for a little bit more. Sure. The one thing I and I would love to hear your take on this. The yes. one thing that I could not I, I really didn't like as much as I liked what they. As much as I liked Killian Murphy and what he was doing with the daughter, I thought that yeah. stuff was good. Yeah. But it came at the expense 
of Emily Blunt. Yes. And the last movie ends with her yeah. becoming this like, for lack of a better term, badass. <laughs> strong female yeah, character. Yeah, for lack of a better term, strong female <laughs> character. Um, who is like... Yeah, she's like fucking cocking her shotgun yeah, and she's like got, ready to rumble. She's she's now the leader of the family. Yeah. She's capable. She's a she's this capable uh, mother who's protecting her kids. And in this one, she spends forty minutes walking to the pharmacy alone. Alone. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. why the hell wasn't she the one going after the dog? I mean, obviously it changes the movie. Blah blah blah. But it's like, even if she just took the baby with her. Yeah. I don't know. Something? I don't know. I don't... It makes me... It's one of those things where it's like... Killian Murphy was good. Yes. But do you need him in the movie? Does the... Is the movie maybe maybe better if it's now, shit, my daughter's gone, I have to go find my daughter? Right. Instead of, I'm going to hang out here with the baby and the crippled kid. Yeah. While you, Mr. Crazy Man who I don't really know if we could trust, you go find my daughter. Yeah, it's it's interesting because that choice, it both sidelines Emily Blunt, which is a shame mm-hmm. because she's a, a jewel. Like yeah, she's, she's a great, great actress. Yeah. The character is nuanced and interesting. Like I, I enjoy watching her in this movie. Um, yeah, so it kind of rem- removes her for a huge chunk of the movie from the main action. It also defangs the sort of tension or suspicion that you might have about Killian Murphy's character. Right. Where, like, clearly he's been through some shit and his son has died and his wife has died mm-hmm. and he's been alone for a long time at this point. Mm-hmm. But there's like a there's a version of this movie where, you know, we're, like we've been kind of saying the like hell is other people trope. Um where that could have been played into way more by leaving it sort of like, well, wait a minute. You know, he says his wife was sick mm-hmm. and that's why she died. But we only have his word for it. Right, and he right. seems like he's maybe become a little unhinged. And like, he keeps saying that like the people who've survived this aren't worth saving. Is he really talking about himself? Like, are there things that he's done? Like, you could have had this whole ambiguous storyline where it's like is he really to be trusted Mm -hmm. and instead like pretty quickly you know like oh no he's a good guy right yeah Yeah. and it sort of removes that extra level of like suspicion and suspense of like oh wait do they even really know this guy yeah and i i feel like you also get um because there are four people if you you know uh, Emily Blunt, the two kids, and Killian Murphy, there's four characters that you yeah. have to keep checking in with. Yeah, it takes away time from any sort of relationship building you could have with Killian Murphy and the girl. Yeah, which I think could have been. I mean, it's tough because even that, it's like it's it's very much could have been like a uh, what's her name uh, Game of Thrones. The little girl with and she Aria. hanging out with Arya and the Hound kind of yeah. dynamic or yeah, yeah. any of those kind of dynamics. Yeah. <clears throat> but it's like you just kind of get the bare minimum of stuff. It's a lot of like scratching the surface. Yeah. But to move into stuff that I did like, I think a lot of this stuff is covered by the fact that everybody in it is fantastic. 
Oh, yeah. I think Killian Murphy is great in this. I think the girl yes. is great in this. Yeah. Emily Blunt is, I mean, she's great in everything. She doesn't yeah. really have a lot to do, but she's I was going to say, yeah. she did a great job with what she was given. Right, yeah. yeah. She looks like she's about to die from suffocating inside a furnace better than yeah. anyone I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> well, maybe we're about to die from suffocating in a furnace based on these sirens. Um yeah, no, I, I I think the performances in this are amazing. Mm-hmm. I think that this world is still beautifully shot. Yeah, it's, it like, looks great. Yeah, yeah there, there's, there's something really interesting about the fact that unlike other, or not all, but most other post-apocalyptic style movies, like The Road mm-hmm. or Mad Max or something, where everything becomes a wasteland. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, it, it's pretty much like climate change or nuclear war has destroyed everything and everything's horrible now. Right. This is a world where like nature is kind of blossoming and beautiful and right. like everything is green and there are birds and in like, yeah, in a, in a lot of ways, this world looks like it's almost like seen through an Instagram filter. Do you know what I mean? Right, like it's, right. it's very lovely to look at a lot of it. And then the parts that are less beautiful in a traditional sense are like beautiful in an eerie way. Like when they're mm-hmm. walking into the town towards the, the marina, it's like all this fog off the ocean on a small New England like seaside town and like everything's abandoned but it's very like moody and 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 pretty still right and the i mean the scene when she gets into the train is very nicely shot absolutely yeah yeah i think it's a great looking movie i think yep john krasinski directs the hell out of it Um, yeah i think he as we're saying he might be a little too heavy-handed and and a little cute in some places but like that opening scene i think is is really well staged and and i love the jumping back and forth between uh the fuck is her name? What's the girl's name? Reagan. Reagan. Jumping back and forth between Reagan not being able to hear anything. Yes. And all yeah. the commotion was really cool. Yeah. The sound engineering on this movie is great. Yeah. Even still, even there, I didn't think it was as effective as the first one because it's well, so much of the first one is the is how quiet that movie is. And how yeah. Every little thing is like yeah. a <gasps> moment. And this I was going to say <clears throat> in this one, there's I think it's just a function of them having to play a lot more loose with right. like some small sounds are going to happen. Whereas like I remember seeing the first one in the theater and it was like a pin could have dropped in, yeah. a, in a pretty full like a big full theater. And that movie was so quiet. Like 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 the characters were so quiet, the everything around them was like silent. And this one is much more like, you know, oh their feet are like brushing through the grass, and you're just right. gonna hear that noise. Yeah. They're not they're not playing Monopoly with like knit pieces so they don't make noise. Right, anymore, right. They're like know. jostling around headphones plugged into a radio, and it's like yeah, that wire's yeah. gonna be like banging against the radio, like. Which which would be fine if it was established in the first movie that like they're not going to hear these smaller, softer sounds. It's yeah. if you clang two big pieces of metal together, then they're going to hear you. It'd be like, oh, okay. Yeah, I think you can probably cover some of that with the uh, no, they can't hear anything through the three feet of concrete stuff. But yeah. even so, out in the world, they're still playing kind of loosey goosey. Anyway, we yeah. were going to talk about stuff we did. Yes. Like. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it looks really great. Yes. Performances are really good. Yes. Um. 
I guess that's it. No, uh, <laughs> I, like I, I didn't, I didn't hate this. I, I, I yeah. thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Well, it's so it's. I would say it's it's a very engaging movie. Yes, like I was very interested to see what was going to happen, and like, are they actually going to find this island? Is there anything actually there? Um, I I don't know. Like maybe even when the stakes didn't feel super high, my curiosity to see what was going to happen was high enough that it kept me moving through it. Um, I think the actress who plays Reagan is really good. I think it's really cool to see a disabled character kind of made. Like, she was sort of the focus of the first movie, but mm-hmm. in this one, she's much more explicitly, like, yeah. um, pushing against the the feeling that, like, people don't believe in her because she's young, she's a girl, she's disabled, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's sort of this like, no, really, this is worth checking out. And I appreciate that. I think I think that's that's a cool that's a cool lens to look through this world at. Mm-hmm. Um which I think adds like, yeah, in a lot of ways I wish they kind of did a little bit more from her point of view where you got the like experience of her deafness a mm-hmm. little more like often. I actually think that maybe would have helped. Yeah. Do um, you how do you feel about the fact that they pick it up immediately after the first one? Because I honestly, we, we didn't watch that this movie that, that long ago, yeah. but I honestly don't know how much older the kids looked because it's been like five years, right? Wasn't it the last one, 2016? Yeah, some, something like that. If not five, it's at least four. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I, think, I think they look a little bit older, but I think the movie does a pretty good job mm-hmm. of, of sort of smoothing that out a little bit i mean and they're very lucky that emily blunt and john krasinski don't age right yeah (laughs) um i don't know i i I think my only thing with them picking up well there's two two things with them picking up right where it ends which is that when it ends when the first one ends there's like several of the monsters converging on the farm Mm -hmm. and we don't really see a resolution to that in this movie they decided to not pick up that yeah they just kind of gloss over that like yeah and then then that didn't happen because that would be too hard right and the the other thing that bothers me is like like you're not gonna try to reclaim this farm at all yeah like it wasn't was it really that far gone probably not i mean maybe it was but it but it would have been you know it, it maybe would have benefited from a you know, we go from day one to day 400 and whatever, you know, 450 or whatever, whatever it was mm-hmm. on the, on the day of the uh, shotgun confrontation and then maybe skip a week or two ahead. Right. Yeah. You know, now it's, it was, it was day 450 and now it's day 464. Mm-hmm. It's been two weeks. They've done what they can and they're just like, we can't stay here. Yeah. Yeah. They, um, they walked. We've been sleeping on top of the silo and it's not working anymore or whatever. Yeah. For, for after the first one being just walking to town is a life or death situation. They walk like over the Appalachian mountains pretty easily. In this one. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, well, I, th- I think the thing is they're supposed to be on the Appalachian Ridge on the seaside. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they're not going over the mountains. They're more coming down the mountain. Like she was. Oh, I see. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I don't know. Yeah. I think it's like they come up a, a like, like maybe not up a mountain, but up a small 
a small mountain mm-hmm. <laughs> to where Killian Murphy is and then back down the other side. Yeah. Um, but yeah, because I, I was I was thinking, I was trying to think why why do it the the immediately pick it up and I had and I was like, I feel yeah. like the only reason is the baby. Because if I you think jump so. if you jumped five years ahead. Yeah, then you've got a five year old. <laughs> right. <laughs> or yeah. the baby died. Yeah. yeah. Like that's yeah. it. <laughs> and I mean maybe I don't know. Is it did the did the baby add that much that you needed to do it that way versus making him like a two-year-old or something because two-year-olds are pretty loud too i was gonna say i actually think in the first movie it's more effective that they have the little brother who's like four or whatever three or four because he's that age where he's like he wants to explore things yeah and especially if they had done that there would have been an interesting like now right. he's getting to be the age of the kid that died. Right. What is that ginning up inside right. of emotionally. Emily Blunt emotionally and yeah, stuff? Yeah, especially and, now uh, that she's been a single mom exactly. for several yeah. years. Yeah, like that that could have been really interesting. Like what has it been like for her as a single mother? Yeah. And also how has that affected the older siblings? Like has right. that kind of made them grow up even faster? Not that they had much more growing up to do. Yeah. Um from the from the prior movie. But <laughs> Yeah, the the baby thing is interesting to me because I almost feel like it does what having kids come to Camp Crystal Lake did for Friday the 13th. Sure. Where it's a little bit like, you know you're not going to watch a baby die in this movie. Right. Do you Which, know what I mean? You like, know, I'll, I'll tell you something. Uh, Wes and I just covered for Patreon, we covered the Battlestar Galactica um, miniseries from about... 10, 15 years ago. Oh, and, I don't know if uh, I've seen that. Well, you know what they do in that show a couple times is kill children. So, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. in that show, nobody's off limits. But no, I'm yeah. not expecting... I mean, they well, because right. they play that card in the first one. Yes. They've got a little kid who ends up yes. getting killed. And it's, and and it's they're the, not going to kill a younger kid in this one. Right. And, and that little boy's death is set up as... Like in in the first one, we don't get the origin story of the monsters. Mm. We don't see the dissolution of society. We don't even see the town or the family as a whole attacked for a long time. The sort of triggering event for that movie is actually that little boy dying. Right, right. Is he in the flashback? Yes. He's the one in the swing. Emily Blunt oh, has him. Gotcha. He's in the okay. swing, and then and then she puts him in the car seat, and she keeps turning around, and going, "It's okay, baby. It's okay." Gotcha. Okay. Um, but like in this movie, you just I think it goes again with the sort of like the feeling that the stakes aren't there, where you're like, right. I honestly kept thinking to myself, "Is is Evelyn gonna die, or is Emmett gonna die?" Right. Yeah. Because in the first one, they set up pretty quickly that yeah nothing is off the table right 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 right. this like four-year-old kid just got murdered by a monster everybody is at risk yeah and so you spend the whole movie believing that this movie will kill one of these characters right pretty pretty quickly like like oh okay everybody's everybody's in in potential danger this one it sort of is like all right John Krasinski's character dies at towards the end of the first one. Mm-hmm. It doesn't feel at any point like the kids are really on on the docket. You know what I mean? Right, so yeah. you sort of look around at the adults and are like, all right. Like, I, I thought Emily Blunt was going to get killed in this one. 
Yeah, I was. I had the f- same feeling where it's, I, fi- I, th- I figured it's going to be her or it's going to be Killian Murphy. And I actually thought Killian Murphy did die briefly because mm. uh, when they're in the um, radio station, <laughs> yes. which I would like yes. to say the most unrealistic thing in this movie uh-huh. is that a 14-year-old girl knows how an analog radio station <laughs> works. Uh, sorry, yeah. a 14-year-old girl who spent the last year of her life living silently who's deaf who is also deaf yes <laughs> would have any idea how i mean i guess maybe it's not rocket science because there's a microphone there well but. i i so i was actually fine with her knowing how to work the turntables and the microphone and all of that it was when she flipped that little switch yes. beneath the on-air sign yes. that then started broadcasting the sound throughout the station yeah that would to me was like Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I, w- I worked in a radio station in college. Did you really? I could not have told you that that was going to oh do God. that. I, not in a million years would See, I have said, oh, she's got to flip. of former professionals. Yeah. Um, yeah, why, that, why that, did I bring that up? That was the most oh, yeah. unrealistic thing. Because yeah. there's a certain point where he gets like slashed in the leg or something because yes. he's trying to save to help her get in there. Or whatever. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay, well, this is the point where he's going to die. Right. He's going to sacrifice himself for her just like yeah. her father did. And it's going to be a whole thing. And I'm, and I'm not saying that somebody should have died because I feel like there is something about the, the goal being met and this time nobody dies. You know yeah. what I mean? Like this time they're yeah. successful. They've managed to save everybody who is in the main credits. Yeah. Um, whereas the last one, there was, they weren't as lucky. Sure. Um, but I don't know. It's like, again, it's it's a stakes thing where yeah. it's like, and I feel like that's what, the other the other thing that was kind of bothering me was it feels oddly incomplete at the end. Yes, it feels very much like. So the, actually, you know, I, I'm kind of I have mixed feelings about this because I keep rethinking it and I've almost I think I've almost convinced myself that I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, not sure yet. <laughs> but like, I feel like what this movie, what this series is trying to do is say that we are telling a story. Mm-hmm. And we have to split the story up into parts mm-hmm. because it's a long story. Mm-hmm. Not we're trying to be the next Marvel, Star Wars, sure. Disney franchise where it's like something happens and then an indeterminate amount of time passes between the last time you saw your wayward heroes and now. Mm-hmm. And now we're going to tell a different story where like other things have happened to these characters in the interim. This one seems like it's very concerned with like this story in this particular moment in time. And so I kind of think I'm starting to like it in terms of like it's just ending where it ends and then it's picking up where it ends. Sure. And I feel like the second movie tried to do the same thing. I think the thing that makes it not work quite as well as the ending in the first movie is that the climax feels a little bit less climactic. Yes, yeah. Like, I expected the end to be, like, Emily Blunt at at, at the head of a boat with a shotgun right, kind of draped yeah. over her shoulder and the kid, the kid Marcus, holding the baby behind her and they're, like, motor, motoring on a little motorboat towards the island. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what I thought the ending was going to be like. We're going to go to this island, we're going to make it a base of operations, and we're going to do something Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and instead yeah it's very like uh abrupt 
yeah, there's not really like, there's not really a, a resolution. It feels like setup. It feels like setup. Yeah. And it also feels like it's just a larger scale version of what happened in this first one. And yeah. there's also nothing new really added to it. Like, whereas in the first one, it's like right. they get to the point where they figure out what the thing is and that they now have the 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 knowledge to fight back. This one is like they've had the knowledge the whole time. Yeah. Nothing really changes. Their plan is we're going to broadcast this thing over the radio and it's going to hurt them. And then they do that and it works. You know what I mean? Right, right, yeah. And, and it's, <laughs> I, I was thinking, I was like, okay, so what's the next step? Convince everyone to turn their radios on? Uh, you know, it's... Yeah, or try, try to bring power to different areas yeah. so they can turn their radios on? And it's on? like, I, it's one of those things where it's like, I don't want to see a third one. Because yeah. the third one, I feel like, is going to be either more of the same or it's going to be like telling the story of how they fought these things back. And honestly, I don't give a shit. Yeah. You know, it's not a story I'm dying to see, which is like, oh, great. She plugged her thing into the radio. What's <laughs> next for the radio? I don't, right. <laughs> I don't, I don't right. care. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's interesting because I feel like this movie falls into that sort of the Walking Dead or like there, there's a there's a series of of. There's a book series, um, I forget what the series itself is called, but the first novel is called The Passage. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like a, let's say, let's just for, for simplicity's sake, call them vampire zombies. Sure. Where it's like mindless killing machine vampire things. And this this book becomes, it's a trilogy. And yeah, by by like the third book, it's sort of like, well... We've got a super powered hybrid, yeah. Who's sure. like they, a human yeah, it's a monster vampire hybrid who's Ugh. on our side, <clears throat> and like we've got this and that, and we've whittled down their numbers or the their only, leaders to this. The, yeah, and the it just only becomes, hybrid I've ever wanted to see was an, was an alien predator hybrid, and even that ended <laughs> up being stupid. So, <laughs> um, no, but but ultimately it became this sort of like war mm-hmm. book. Where it's like sure, a siege, sure. you know, big battles and, and yeah. set pieces rather than like scrappy little character driven story of survival. Right. Which is, it's, I think, the thing that this movie kind of misses. It's like how it's like how the Hunger Games starts off yeah. as here's a story about a tournament where people have to kill each other. And yeah. by the end of the third book, it's like a revolution. It's like a big revolutionary war story kind yeah. of. And I mean that that I sh- I'm kind of underselling it because I think it it works decently well in those in that story. But sure, but 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 at the same time, I will agree. The first Hunger Games book is really fucking good. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good story. You are compelled throughout the whole thing. Like you're really invested in those characters. It's not like super complicated writing. Right, it's not. Right. It's not like totally original. A lot of it's derivative of other stuff, mm-hmm. but it's just well put together and well executed and it's different and interesting enough without doing this thing that we've been saying where it's like once you start opening up broader and broader and broader and trying to pull in more areas and set pieces and people and mechanics, um, which actually leads me to how do you feel about the... the uh, revelation that these monsters cannot swim sure (laughs) (laughs) Uh, whatever 
Um, <laughs> You're I guess, ne- neutral. Yeah, I guess. No it, opinion. No, I guess it serves the plot fine. Uh, but like, if why did I don't know? I I, I never even thought about it, so I don't yeah. really know why they felt a need to say it. Because I don't know if that. I don't know if that necessary. Like, okay, let's say, <laughs> let's say they never bring that up, right? Yes. Couldn't you just say, yeah, on this island, we're far away enough that they didn't hear anything we were doing, so they never had any reason to swim out to get us. I think the only thing that that would prevent is then any time you used a motorized vehicle to get out there, they would just follow you. Yeah, I like guess. they're just going to follow your loud. Yeah, yeah, that's Both. true. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I guess that that does. I don't know. It seems like a silly detail that you don't really need to have. But well, I know, like, um, like, uh, Greg was very, <laughs> he was he was a little peeved at it because there's that scene in the first one when the basement of the oh, barn sure. is flooding. Yeah, and uh, the monster seems if nothing if not more terrifying when it dives underwater. Well, he can walk on the ground though, because it's just a basement. Well, so that was my yeah. that was my explanation uh, to Greg when he kind of in the theater like gestured and like made a face like, "Are you fucking kidding me? They can't. Mm-hmm. What do you mean they can't swim? They swam in the first one." Um, was that you know it was shallow water, and it was not water with like tides or a current mm-hmm. or anything. So there was no motion. Like there was no. Because I could see, I could, you know, they got to open up these yeah. plates in their head yeah. to I, uh, like I hear spend, shit. I spent ten minutes in a pool, and my ears fucked up for the rest of the day. So right. if they have to, if those guys with gigantic ears, absolutely with ears to, all over their heads, right. like of course yeah. they don't want to like open those valves up or whatever you want to call them. Yeah, I mean, underwater. They, they can't track us through the water. Okay. Yeah, that's all. Sure. Yeah, but yeah, it just makes me be like, so is everybody west of the Mississippi okay? Yeah, I just assume, well, that's the <laughs> well, thing. Well, there's bridges, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm being, I'm being also, facetious like, about that. And also, those things one. landed, I assume, everywhere. It seems so. like they did, because like, I, I think that was another thing that that opening sequence of day one was mm-hmm. supposed to show us, is that at the general store, the man is watching the news coverage of something happening in Shanghai. Right, right. So yeah. I think the implication is that these monsters are making landfall all over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so... All right, fine. I I'm willing I'm willing to buy that one. <laughs> that one I'll give them a pass. Yeah, but o- overall, it's still a really fun movie. I feel like yeah. we've ragged on it a lot. Well, I think it's it's tough because I this I feel like this is not. I I feel like it could have been an alien aliens type situation. Yeah, where they found. A new way to make everything work yeah from a different perspective or from a different set of rules or whatever right while still preserving right while still preserving the concept yeah and this one i just don't think it brings anything new to the table that yeah that is that that accentuates anything from the first one or and like, like i've said before like i said earlier i think the the Essentially, Killian Murphy, yeah, saves the whole movie because I think this his relationship with the girl I think is really good. The stuff that yeah. they do, he has that same weird, like 
fatherly intensity that John Krasinski had in the first yes. one. Like there's a certain kind of intensity that John Krasinski yeah. has in the first one that feels really unique to him and those movies. Yeah. And Killian Murphy has the same kind of energy. I also appreciate casting him because it's kind of like a 28 Days Later kind of nod sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, I also don't know why he never became a bigger star, maybe because he's kind of, you know, I think he kind of chooses not yeah. to. He's a fantastic I, yeah. actor. Oh, God, he's he's an amazing actor, and he's extremely handsome. Well, that's the other thing in this. You can't even tell it's him yeah. for most of it. Yeah, like they give him this big scraggly beard. They yeah. cover. He's like wearing a handkerchief over his mouth the most of the time. The first scene in the movie, he's clean shaven, but he's got a hat on. So yeah, you don't, really, yeah, you don't he, really get a good look he at him. He looks a little, and I don't mean this in, offense, in an offensive way, but he looks a little hillbilly. Right. You know, he's yeah. got like a tattoo on his sure. upper arm. He's yeah. wearing like a cut off sleeve, you know, shirt. He just, he doesn't look like Killian Murphy. Right. Yeah. yeah. And then for the rest of the movie, he's got this big scraggly beard. Yeah, and, big you know, utility coat and baseball hat yeah, and everything. Yeah, which I think is great because, you know, he's not exactly an actor that you need to he's not tom cruise like he can he can he can fall <laughs> into a character you know yeah yeah you're not watching this movie because he is killian murphy right, yeah. yeah i'm sure some people are but i mean um, i don't blame them if they are but like he's so good with her and yes. the stuff that he goes through is by far the most interesting stuff I, yeah i almost wish they kind of let let it have a little more room to breathe yeah. like like maybe not i don't think it needed to be made more explicit mm-hmm but like they they kind of shoehorn in the emotional end of it by showing Marcus wandering around the steel mill and finding all the drawings of the sun mm-hmm. and then finding the body of the wife right and it's like that's that stuff is included i think partially so that we see how bereft Killian Murphy's character is and it would have been a little bit nicer to maybe Maybe give him and Reagan a couple more quiet moments, like walking through right, the woods yeah. together, where maybe they had some sort of disagreement and had to try to like quietly argue. Yeah, <laughs> like he... in the middle of the woods, where he's like, "Yeah, I, I actually really liked the scenes where he tried to talk to her, and then he was like, "No, you can't hear me because you are deaf," right. and like he was like mad at himself for forgetting. Mm-hmm. And like I, I just I liked that. That felt very real. Yeah, he does go. He does get on board with her plan very quickly. Like there's yeah. that one scene where it seems like he's ditched her, but then he comes back and he very quickly goes from there to, you know, hiding the implant in his mouth. Yeah, you know, which is all great. It's all really oh, good yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, no, that scene I, is really good. I think that moment where, uh, as we've been calling them, the boat mutants. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of have him in a noose attached to clanging things. Um, and he, you know, starts making noise to draw the monsters. I think that scene where he grabs Scoot McNary and like wraps him up against the pole and mm-hmm. then stabs him in the leg and then dives into the into yeah. the water. That's a that's an awesome action sequence. Yeah, that's it's really well done. That's probably the best sequence in the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, just in terms of like the flow of it, the timing. Yeah. The, the way you can see in the moments before that he's trying, like, trying kind of desperately to really quickly put a plan together that's mm-hmm. going to get them out of this. Right. Um, and then he manages to do it, which yeah. is which is the cool part. Yeah. Yeah. He's great in this movie. He's yeah, really, really he's, good. He's really good. Uh, Millicent, Millicent yes. uh, is also very, very good. Yeah, I like her a lot. I actually liked is her she even more in this. actually deaf? Yes. She is? Yes. Hmm. I, I wonder if she, I haven't looked her up. Does she, has she done more stuff? 
I think she's done a couple things. Um, but she's very young. <laughs> like she she pretty much like is as young as she looks. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, wow. She's only done one that's a short. One, two couple episodes of TV. Yeah. But yeah, I she's I, only this is only her second or maybe third movie. Yeah. The rest of the stuff she's done is mostly uh, uh, TV stuff. And even that is not a ton. Yeah. I, I, I think she does a really excellent job. And I think it's kind of a heavy, a heavy burden for somebody so young to be playing this like character that I'm sure in a lot of ways is, is, is pretty revolutionary. Yeah. In, in yeah. terms of her like independence and her ability to really drive the narrative and, and sort of be the hero in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. Um, and also how to figure out how to operate, make a uh, guitar amplifier work without a <laughs> by cutting the cord power off. source to plug it into. Yeah, but, but no, I, I, I think I like her a lot in this movie. Yeah. I actually, that's that's I know we keep saying it, but I think the performances and the characters in this movie are really what make it. When, when other things kind of fail... Like when the premise itself itself starts to feel a little thin, mm-hmm. I think the performances and the characters are the thing that bolster yeah. the movie up and, and keep you engaged. Yeah, those those two are definitely the anchor, I yeah. think, of the movie. Yeah. Um <clears throat> I think we've we've covered pretty much the entire movie. Uh yeah. so uh director of The Exorcist, William Friedkin, mm. uh in a tweet dated May 29th, twenty twenty one, said oh described God. this as a classic horror film. And ended his tweet with "Cinema is back." Huh. Uh, with that in mind, <laughs> Jesus. How do you feel about the placement of number sixty, the sixty greatest horror movie of all time? Mm. Do you want to move it higher, lower, or do you want to remove it from the list completely? <clears throat> I I think I would take it off the list. I'm taking it off. I know, and yeah. I like it. Like that's the thing. I feel like we <laughs> we spent the whole episode shitting on it, and now I'm being like, kick it off the fucking list. Get rid of yeah, it. Yeah, it's like, but it's, it's like it's a fun. Movie, but like you said, it doesn't push anything beyond what the first movie did. Yeah. So I think having the first movie on this list is kind of enough. Yeah, I think so. You know, yeah. I, I feel like... I, I I haven't gone through and looked at, at all the sequels that are on here. Yes. But just from the ones I can think of in my head, mm-hmm. the sequels that are on this list are sequels that definitely move things forward uh, in some way. Yeah. Whether or not we agree on their placement is one sure, thing. Sure, sure. But like you've got Evil Dead 2, arguably the greatest sequel, horror sequel yeah, of all time. Yeah. Uh, I'll agree with that. Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3, big, <laughs> big move for Nightmare on Elm Street. That's yeah. like the quintessential Freddy movie. You got New Nightmare, which is a big change. Yep. Uh, Halloween 2018, which is yep. another big kind of like return to form kind of thing. Yep. This is just kind of like a. A, a decent movie you know yeah well again like th- this this is the kind of movie that makes me understand why we have what i think a lot of people <laughs> refer to as like prestige television now sure where it's like we're gonna have two seasons and each season is only gonna be six episodes mm-hmm. and each episode is only gonna be 35 to 58 minutes or like 54 right, minutes right. and it's like this feels almost like it could have been that yeah, because you know I, what I mean, like where you're just getting these yeah. serialized pieces of a story, not only not that. a world, not a series of stories in this world, just 
this one story in this one moment in this one world that we want to tell. Yeah. And not only that, but the first one is so much of a movie theater movie. Yes. Where it still works at home, but it works best in the theater. Yeah. This, I don't really think it matters that much. I almost feel like this one would work. I'm curious to, to, to see if this is true for me. I almost felt like this one would work better at home. Yeah. Because I feel like the the silence was... The silence in the first one was like its own character. Right, right. And it took up so much space in the movie and and it took up so much of your attention. Mm -hmm. That feeling of like overwhelming huge silence. And in this one, that's not really there. And so I wonder if almost like in a smaller scale in the quiet of your own home, if it could be better rather than in a theater with two people who are going to insist on muttering to each other through the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, we had some bad theater mates when we went to see it. Oh, did you really? Were the people in front of you? Yeah. Or would you mean Pat and Meredith? Oh, of course, Pat and Meredith. Okay. Fuck those people. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Not them. That's, they were great. Those the people in front of you were talking? Yeah. Oh, that sucks. Yeah, somebody, somebody the, this, the, the theater we were in was a weird shape. Somebody somewhere near us, whether it was the people behind us or in front of us, were like, how do we do it? Through not super tense parts of it, but it's still a little bit like, please don't come to a movie predicated on the concept of silence if you're not prepared to be quiet for 90 minutes. Right. We, I actually noticed um, there was a group of three people who showed up after the opening scene. Yes. So it like completely missed the opening scene. Yes. Entirely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, probably didn't change the movie that much for them. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, but it's one of those things where it's like, for some reason, I don't know why, I find it so strange that people yeah. still show up to movies late. Because it's it's like, it's there's so many trailers in front of everything. Like if, if you're, if you're, if your movie <laughs> started, our movie started at eight, yeah. it probably didn't start until like 8.30. Maybe yeah. a, maybe eight fifteen, so I don't know. Like I, I mean, when I went to see Endgame, Avengers Endgame, yeah, there were people that showed up like fifteen minutes into the movie, and I was like, "How do you, if the movie, yeah, fifteen minutes is a little egregious." Endgame Endgame had le- legit like twenty minutes of previews ahead of it. Yeah. So do you just like, are you just like moving your clock down that much more? Where it's like, well, we get an extra twenty minutes, and then you just overshoot it. Or like, <laughs> or you just really don't give a fuck. Yeah, like yeah. It, I don't know. It's yeah. Maybe they'd already seen it before. Who knows? But yeah. it's uh, I. It's just strange to me that <laughs> with uh, seats you can choose ahead of time and so all much, the modern conveniences yeah, of the theater. Yeah, the people still show up late. Yeah. I don't know. especially well, when it's like it's like twenty. I mean, the, <laughs> we we went on the cheap day, but like <laughs> a. Modern movie ticket is not cheap. Yeah, they're pretty expensive. And yeah. obviously, I don't know these people's lives. Stop judging, okay? Yeah, I, you know. You don't know them. I don't. So, I have a I have a quick question for you before we fully wrap up. Mm-hmm. We had this we had this same question for the first one. I'm going to ask it again. Mm-hmm. Do you think this is a horror movie? Um Not particularly. Uh I, less so than the first one yeah um yeah i was i was all for the first one i was like no scary movie it's it's i'm i'm on board for it this one makes it pretty explicitly explicit that these are aliens yeah which i don't think 
means it can't be a horror movie because obviously yeah but it does i think veer it more strongly into sci-fi i actually think it's more of like a drama than anything else honestly fair because i think there's most of the stuff that's kind of interesting and engaging is like character work yeah into the interpersonal aspects yeah i would say it's it probably leans more towards sci-fi though yeah, I mean, um, it's got some good jump scares in it. I will say that there were there yeah. were a couple jump scares, especially earlier on in this movie, that got me. Like, I, I I jolted a couple times. I thought I thought a lot of them were kind of cheap, yeah. like the birds in the thing. Yeah, especially because she's she's deaf. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> having a loud having a loud jump scare on a deaf person just. Yeah, I I think that one didn't work for me, but there were a couple others that I yeah I'm there was there was on, but there yeah. was at least one or two where I was like oh they got me yeah it's, it's funny I I was talking uh, I on my text thread with my comics buddies I mentioned I had seen this and then I was kind of yeah. middling on it yes and uh, Murphy wrote back to me he's like you liked Army of the Dead but you you're only meh on this movie <laughs> and I was just like I like them both probably about the same oh wow but there's like I mean Army of the Dead is like you kind of know what you're getting going. yeah like it's 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 ridiculous by design I know? I will have to take your word for it because Greg and I tried to watch it one night and uh, we got maybe 30 to 40 minutes into yeah, it and then we not, were just like we're not drunk enough it's for not this good Let's shut like it off. I, I wouldn't call it a good it's not, <laughs> I, I enjoyed it. it I had fun with it it's way too long yeah that's that's my main problem with but it. it's, it's like very long I kind of fell in the in the same general ballpark where it's but with one of them it's like I know this is going to have a lot of holes in it yeah it's meant to it's it's meant right. to be your, ridiculous your expectations are adjusted yeah. yeah whereas this one it's like coming off of arguably not by me but arguably <laughs> one of the one greatest of the horror movies of the past 10 years ever. yeah and you just kind of like it's just kinda, yeah. it's, it's a b yeah, you no, I, I get I get what you're saying. This this one had a lot more hype and a lot higher expectations to meet, mm-hmm. and I don't think it quite met those. But it's still a fun movie to watch. Yeah, like if you liked the first one, I think you will like this one. If you like these kinds of like post apocalyptic sci fi survival horror movies in general, mm-hmm. I think you'll like this. Like we said, it's it, the acting in it is really really good. Yeah, yeah. and I think that makes it enjoyable to watch if you're able to sort of shut off that piece of your brain that's trying to poke holes in the premise a little bit yeah yeah Yeah. like i don't know i army i enjoyed army of the dead i really i really enjoyed kong versus godzilla so you just have no taste is what you're saying no it's like i it is (laughs) i think it's an expectation thing and it's like what am i going to kong versus godzilla for to see king kong fight godzilla Sure. They delivered as advertised. Yeah. I thought it was pretty fun. And it's just, I don't know. I guess I was expecting, I was just expecting more from this. Um, Yeah, fair enough. But that being said, go see it in the theater. Go back to the movie theater. Yeah. As long as you can do so safely. Yes, it was a good time. Yeah. Well, Amanda, we've hit that time again. It's wild card (laughs) time. (gasps) Yes. We have a sound for the randomizer. We don't have a sound for the wild card. We'll have to come up with a sound for the wild card. Yeah. Um, also, uh, I don't keep the numbers on this. Let me do a real quick check here. Uh, Are we on, um, 
some kind of milestone. It's perhaps? possible. Uh, eh, it's not really that interesting. It's All right, thirty-seven. Well, fuck it. it. Who cares? It's our fortieth episode. Boom. Oh. Not quite as fun as our fiftieth episode, but it's uh, well. Everybody who's listening along at home can now keep track that yes. we're ten away from the fiftieth. I'm sorry, <laughs> this is boring. Well. Regardless, it's a wild card episode, so yes. we are, uh, Amanda, it's your pick. What are you going, oh. what are we watching next time? Uh, well, so I have, I have several options in my head that are pulling me in different directions, mm-hmm. but I feel like, I feel like I want to pander to you right now. Oh, I don't know. If you need to do that. Well, I mean, well, I'm I mean flattered, it's, it's, but <laughs> I feel like I want to save. Like, g- given that neither one of us, like, we both enjoyed a Quiet Place Part Two, mm-hmm. but it was not like a a home run sort of movie for either of us. Right, right. So I feel like I I want there's there's a movie I want to do that I feel like it's like lobbing a little bit of a softball. Okay. Uh, I want to do Jennifer's Body. Excellent. Excellent. Right, like that's a fun. Yes. I feel like that's just a fun one. Like, I'm glad you said that before I reminded <clears throat> you that the last wild card that I chose was the Devils, <laughs> which was not exactly a law ball. Well, for what, anybody, what, what did but... I do before that? A dark song? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, fair. Like, yeah, those, come that's, on, those come are on. Kind of equal. I, think. I feel like we're we're a little due for something a little more uh, fun. Yeah, I agree. Right? Yeah, I'm. Uh... Because we we've done a lot of like interesting kind of weird seventies stuff. We've done Invisible Man mm-hmm. and um, Quiet Place Part Two. Something some stuff that's slightly more modern. Mm-hmm. Jennifer's Body is this wonderful like mid to late aughts. It is a really it it is a true modern like cult film in yes. the tradition of yes. cult horror films from like the eighties where it's, yeah. Very much kind of got overlooked at the time. I was going to say nobody watched it until yeah. everybody you knew had seen it. Right, right. And yeah. it all kind of caught it. Like, I remember that moment of it, like, catching up all at once where it was like, everybody I knew who liked similar movies to me was just like, oh, you haven't seen Jennifer's Body? Like, right. you have to go, we have to watch it right now. And I was like, wait, what? I've never heard of this. Yeah, that's yeah. great, though. I'm looking forward to that, especially because yeah. the... Uh, uh, Karen Kusama, I believe, is the name of the director. Yes. She's got another movie on our list called The Invitation. Yes. Have you seen The Invitation? I have not, but oh, it is baby. like... Oh, baby. It is so good. high up on my list of things, so... Yeah. Yeah. But that's great. So uh, next time, we'll be doing a wild card episode. We'll be doing Jennifer's Body. You're welcome. And uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the Penske File, which is uh, Penske File being our sort of umbrella... Company. Corporation, company, uh, <laughs> podcast association here. Uh, where podcast association, <laughs> like a condo board? Yeah, like, basically. What is this? We, we all pay dues. Yeah. Um, well, in this case, the listeners pay the dues. Thanks, guys. Uh, and on, on Patreon, Amanda and I have been covering the Friday the 13th series. Uh, we just finished Friday the 13th Part 6, Jason Lives. Yep. In July, later in July, we'll have Part 7, Yes. The, the New Blood, which I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, and then in August, we'll be doing some sort of special episode for because there is actually a Friday the 13th in yes. August. Yes. And it will also be when we cover part eight, which is the end of the, the, the classic 
era of the Friday the the 13th films. (laughs) That is a long era. It is, but it kind of isn't. Right, because they they are cranking out those movies. Yeah, it it really was uh, the the horror franchise of the 80s. They did basically (laughs) eight of them in nine years. Yeah, one a year. Yeah. Yeah. So So, uh, we'll be doing that. So if you want to support the show, you can do that at patreon.com slash the Penske file. Thank you guys for listening. Amanda, thank you for joining me. Thank you, Clay. We will see you next time. Bye, everyone.